Dear Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to live, to be here in this season, even though this is one of the uh, craziest and um, prophesied to get even crazier uh, time on earth. We are blessed to see your prophecies being fulfilled. We are blessed to be able to work in the final hour to do your will, to be the light that you call us to be, the salt of the earth, to walk according to your truths. We thank you for keeping us. We thank you for protecting us. We thank you for watching over us and all those who walk according to the faith. We pray for those who don't know you, that they will open up their hearts, receive you, and be obedient to the truth that you've given us. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, I want to tell you guys that, you know, um, if we don't know the gospel as it aligns with the Bible, then there's a great possibility that we are living contrary to what is written. Paul warned about deception regarding the gospel. Uh, he knew that people were going to come out and teach another gospel. They're going to teach something that is not according to the faith. And this is not new as far as God's word being twisted. What he said, uh, what he taught us or what he told us to do, um, it's not new. It happened back in the Garden of Eden. That's where it began uh, as far as hum humanity is concerned. Um, Satan heard what God had told Adam and Eve. And unfortunately, he took the words and twisted it around and they bought into the lie. And sure enough, they fell. They fell from grace. They listened to something that was contrary to the word of God. Knowing the gospel is one of the most important things a believer has to be serious about. Not just casual, not just my preacher's been talking about it, but as Paul said, we have to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We have to study, we have to get into the word of God. And over these recent months and even actually a few years, I've gotten to the word of God for myself. I didn't always do it. I was listening to the preachers, especially the big time ones that are always on TV. They take up um, some of the big spots on, on these television networks. And I saw the gospel through what they were saying, what they considered the gospel to be, their perspectives and views. But when I decided through the, through the grace of God and his mercy, to be obedient and go study for myself, I found out that the narrow gate is actually very narrow. It's a lot more narrow than many people even realize because there's so much that goes on in church institutions and in different ministry groups that do not match the word of God. It doesn't even align. There are scriptures that are taken consistently out of context uh, that sounds good. It, it makes you feel good. It, it kind of checks the box in someone's life as they walk in the, 
the faith or at least believe they walk in the faith. And these out of text, out of context scriptures are um, unfortunately used to deceive people. A lot of times we don't we hear a scripture and we don't read on or we don't read before or we don't read the entire uh, chapter to see who was being addressed. Why was they why was it being addressed? What are they referring to? How does this statement in the uh, New Testament align with the statement of the Old Testament? It takes work. It takes effort. It takes um, obedience, discipline. It's just like anything else in life. If we're not disciplined, we can't expect to succeed health-wise, financially, in our relationships. If we're not holding to diligence and checking, confirming, reconfirming, and applying what we know to be true, then ultimately we're failing at what we ought to be doing. And this is why gospels have been brought to us, or many of us grow up in gospels that are literally contrary to the Bible, and we don't even see it. We've been deceived. Paul says in Galatians 1, 5, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, he said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And here's what Paul says. He, he expresses the urgency, the, the, the magnitude of why we need to stay in the right gospel. He said, but if even if we, or an angel from heaven preach another gospel to you, then the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. He even repeats itself immediately after in verse 9 says, As we have said before, so I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let them be accursed. Paul, who was called by Christ on the road to Damascus to be an apostle to the Gentiles, said, if I even come to you with a different gospel. In fact, if an angel from heaven shows up with a different gospel, let that person be accursed, be considered a cursed individual. That is the seriousness of having the right gospel. Many people are walking around under the impression that they're saved and they're not saved because they haven't followed the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are many gospels today. There are prosperity gospels. There are uh, higher self gospels. Your blessing is coming. A woman thou art loose. All these different gospels that sell on Sundays and conventions and Saturdays and different places these are gospels. These are faiths. And unfortunately, they all tie themselves under the name of Jesus. But remember, back in Matthew 24, Jesus said, false Christ will come. And they will deceive. Many will come and deceive many people. There is only one true gospel. That's it. There isn't four or five. There isn't a variation I've heard a preacher one time, one time try to defend the prosperity gospel saying that God doesn't want us to be broke. Of course he doesn't. 
But that's not the gospel. That's not why Jesus Christ came. In Luke 24, verse 46, it writes, Then he said to them, Thus this is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. He said beginning at Jerusalem. What message, what gospel, what should be preached? Repentance and remission. Paul did not preach seven steps to your blessing. Peter did not teach 10 ways to open up the heavens and pour you out a blessing. They preached repentance. And because of this long-standing lie in a gospel that doesn't align with the word of God, many people don't even know what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I've, I've heard, I grew up in, I've, I've, I've been in trainings before where when it's time to go out and, uh, you know, evangelize or witness or, you know, really just try to bring people to church. One of the first things they tell you to ask someone is, do you know Jesus? That's what they say. But according to the Bible, this is not what Jesus said do. He didn't say go and ask a single person, do they know who Christ is? And I know that's a, a, a real tough one to swallow for a, a lot of people because that is what you hear in pretty much every church from the pastor down to the usher when it comes time to witness for Jesus Christ. Well, how do we witness for him? It's important to know this. Very, very important to know this. Because if we don't, again, there's a good possibility we are following gospel that doesn't even exist. But first we're going to read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. Uh, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Or excuse me, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah and or one of the prophets. And he said to them, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to them, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And he says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now here's what Jesus tells them. Interestingly enough, of course, we don't read beyond that. I, 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 I tell you, I've heard it so many times. This is a powerful statement because who doesn't want to bind something and lose something, a blessing, a healing, a miracle? 
you stop there and church is over or at least the shouting gets gets ramped up and people are running all over the place. But when we keep on reading, this is what Jesus said. This is what, this is what the Bible tells us. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now that right there throws a wrench in all the teachings and quote-unquote understandings of witnessing for Jesus Christ. Why would he tell his disciples to tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ? The reason why is because telling someone that Jesus is the Christ is not remission or repentance for sins. It is not even being a witness to who he is. We have to understand what a witness is. If you watch these court hearings or you looked at these different um, uh, law shows or movies, whatever the case may be, before they try to either convict someone, sentence someone, convict them, or uh, get them off the case or off the charges, they typically bring a witness to the stand. And when the witness comes, they ask the witness a variety of questions to see if this witness is a true witness. Have they actually witnessed or do they have enough information that can convict this person or set this person free that's facing whatever they're facing? Now, if a witness gets up there and they do the questioning and find out that their answers don't prove that they know what happened or they have any information, then what, what, is, what they get is they're called impeached. They're not a credible witness and they get removed from the stand. Anybody can get up and say, well, I know Jesus. That's easy. But how can you prove that you know him? Where is the evidence? You know, I heard a quote some years ago that said that if there was enough evidence, it, to, if you had to prove that you were uh, a son of God, the son of God, or a follower of Jesus Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you? There, there, the faith and being a living witness goes beyond just uh, saying Jesus Christ to people. Do you know him? The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Well, we say we've been redeemed. We say we've been healed. We've, we've, we've come out of this problem, where is the substance? In Psalms 107 verse 2, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I was talking to someone here earlier uh, today, and they were talking about how uh, their, witness, their, their testimony is that Jesus Christ saved them. But for somebody that is out, outside the faith, uh, who hasn't come into the faith, what does that even mean? To those in the faith, we understand that. But to those who are of the world, what does that actually mean that Jesus saved? I went on to explain to the individual that um, there are a couple things that I endured that I can tell you that he redeemed me. One of them was facing a 25-year prison sentence. And the other one was me laying on my deathbed as a toddler. That's what being a witness is. And we're going to look at Paul and Silas, and they're going to show you through Scripture how they actually 
were witnesses of Jesus Christ. In Acts 16, verse 16, it says, Now it happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirits of uh, divination, I'm not pronouncing that right, I'm butchering that all kind of ways, met us who, who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Remember, what's the way of salvation? Before you get to Jesus Christ, it is about repentance and remission of sins, not blessings, not miracles, not wonders, not favor. It's repentance and remission of sins. That is step one as the way of salvation. And in verse 18, and this she did for many days. So she kept saying this for many days. But Paul, greatly, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw their hope, of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and they said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city and they teach us customs which are not lawful for us being Romans uh, to receive and observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the judge to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet to the socket in the socket. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there were a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakened from his sleep, seeing the prison door open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Now, before I keep going, I want to look at two critical points. One, Paul demonstrated what it means to be a witness. He was, he won, he got thrown in the jail, casting out demons in a, in a wicked, uh, a wicked part of the world, Rome, where they were all about paganism, witchcraft, sorcery, you name it. They did it all. Sexual immorality, there was nothing they didn't want to do that they didn't do. In fact, as I shared uh, on my last talk, this is when this is where the Sabbath day was changed from a uh, Saturday to Sunday. 
He was being a witness, showing them through the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Commanded this demon to come out and mess up their business. And then they went into prison and they continued to be living proof. They were in shackles for something that wasn't even illegal to them. It was their faith, that what they believed. And instead of crying and whining, uh, trying to get bailed out and all these different things, uh, they started praying and singing hymns. And sure enough, God sent an earthquake and all the doors opened and the chains fell off because of their witness was so powerful. Not them walking around talking to the guards saying, do you know Jesus? No, they were praising him, singing to him, praying to him. And that drew the guard in and asked them, what, was, what does he have to do to be saved? And we stopped that verse 31, where he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you, are your whole, you and your whole household will be saved. But many people stop right there. I have, in fact, I actually saw it, maybe it was either yesterday or uh, sometime this last week. Someone posted that scripture. That's it. Just believe and your whole household is saved. You as well. But when you read on, here's what happens. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them the same hour that night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Immediately. See, it went beyond saying, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you know who Christ is? And then the service is over. No. It's, the Bible says he spoke the word of the Lord to him. Well, what is the word of the Lord? Repentance and remission of sins. And immediately after that, they were baptized. They didn't join the church institution. They didn't uh, come back and make sure they put their offering and tithe in the plate. They didn't sign up for the new members class. See, this is, this is again, why it's so important to understand the right gospel. The true gospel as it aligned with the Bible. Not what the church institution has been doing for the last 40 years. Oh, that man's been preaching for 40 years. How dare you say anything about him? I've, I've heard that a lot lately. <laughs> but if you, whether it's four days or 40 years, if your preaching doesn't match the gospel, then you are not preaching truth. You are preaching falsehood. And regrettably, a lot of people are being led astray. Because as I said before, we don't take the time to study as we ought to. To get into the word of God and, and dig into it. Apply what we hear and move on and keep applying what we hear and move on. In Revelations chapter 12, verse 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation is come, and strength, and the kingdom of God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused 
them before God day and night. He's talking about Satan. Every day, every night, he's going to God, accusing the brethren. But he was cast down. In verse 11, it said, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, that they loved not their lives unto the death. Now, who are they? The brethren, the body of Christ. They don't just overcome by the blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb. They also overcome by the word of their testimony, their evidence, their proof that they've been redeemed from the enemy. Now, there are people who have been, uh, who, who confess Jesus Christ in his blood and do have a testimony, but because they love their life, and rather not suffer persecution or even crucifixion, they don't testify. So therefore, according to scripture, have not overcome. We are obligated to tell what Jesus Christ brought us out of. That is our testimony. It's not walking around witnessing and the form of saying, do you know Jesus? Because from the outside looking in, that's an insane question. But Paul says that we were all children of wrath. Well, children of wrath don't care nothing about Jesus. They don't even think about Jesus Christ. Because their heart, their mind, their spirit, everything is, is set on the world. How they can live to appease and achieve things and people of this world. Again, the gospel. What gospel do you follow? What gospel are you hearing on Sundays or Saturdays or whenever you listen to church? Does it talk about repentance and remission of sins? Or does it talk about God is getting ready to open up the door and bless you? Such, a, such an important piece to the faith. We are here to be witnesses that's what Jesus Christ gave the disciples to do. That's the objective, the job, the task, to go be witnesses, to be living proof all over the world. And it starts with us telling our story. How did he bring you out? In Luke 24, after Christ makes known that the gospel, the message is about repentance and remissions. In verse 48, he says, and you are witnesses of these things. He was telling the disciples that this is what you guys are supposed to witness. Overall being redeemed, redemption, rebirth. This is a, this is a battle of the ages. I see a lot of people today who want to identify themselves as a Republican or a Democrat or some type of political figure, uh, part of some political organization, and still say they are a disciple of Jesus Christ, a, a Christian, a servant leader, a believer. And they, and they argue it saying that that's, you know, we have to stand with right. We have to stand on the side of what's right. Well, according to the faith, the only side that's right is Jesus Christ. 
Because when you look at, you know, a Republican side and what they're doing, you look at a Democratic side, they're all wicked. They're all doing stuff that's not uh, according to the faith. This is not pick your lesser evil. This is picking the gospel. The, the Democrats love Joe Biden. And then the Republicans love Trump. But who... But how are we actually supposed to walk in the faith? Because when you look at Jesus Christ and his apostles, not one of them went to vote. Not one of them went to any type of world leader or, or leader of any um, country or, or town to say, hey, stop being so evil to people. Stop being so cruel. Why are you so wicked? He said, go be a witness. Go make disciples. He said, when they bring you before the court, don't try to conjure up in your brain what you're going to tell people. He said, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say in that very hour. That's the gospel we need to follow. That is what it means to be a witness, to show people. I love telling my story uh, when I faced 25 years in prison because I know it wasn't me. I know I had nothing to do with it. Did I humble myself? Yep. Did I pray? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, people still humble themselves in praying and still in prison. So when God brings us through, we got to do like, um, uh, we, we got to do like Jesus told Peter, he said, you know, Satan want to sift you as wheat. When he's when you're he said when when you're converted, go back and strengthen. And that's the reason why I, I know God has called me on this path of standing against these inadequate antichrist gospels that have led these churches since the, their inception. There's no way to strengthen somebody without the truth. It's impossible. You can't walk around, be strong in a lie. That doesn't work. But the truth going to cause you to put some work in. It's going to cause you to fight and, and have to endure to overcome. Our job is to do what Jesus Christ said. Be a witness. But remember, the Bible tells us that before the disciples went out to be witnesses, they had to have one special piece that they could not have. They could not miss and still be witnesses. And that piece was the Spirit of God. That's why the Holy Spirit hasn't been a big topic in church institutions for decades. It's not, it's not possible to be a witness to Jesus, uh, unto Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. You cannot. I, I know people say, well, I, you know, I go tell people about Jesus all the time. No, 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 no. Without the leadership of the Holy Ghost, there's no way. How do you know this? Jesus told Peter, he said, blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven. God revealed it to him. It ain't something he heard about from the preacher. 
he read in the tabloid or the magazine or in the movie, God made it known to him. And then he goes on to tell him, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And he goes on to say, I give you the keys to the kingdom. After all that, this deep, profound truth comes out. Peter's on the spot and God just, Christ just mm, tells him, look, your testimony, Peter, what you just said about me, the gates of hell should not prevail and you're going to get the keys to the kingdom. But when, G when Jesus went to the cross, where did Peter go? Took off running three times. I don't know that, man. But in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria and the end of the earth. That's what we need to be a witness for Christ. Like I said, anybody can go say, do you know Jesus? We can take these pamphlets around with these steps on it and it's little stories of who Jesus was and all that. But if I'm looking on the outside and I want to say, I want to know, what did Jesus do for you? What, 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 how can you compel me to join your faith, your belief? But because many people don't know, they throw the guilt on top of somebody's head. If you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell. And they're like, well, who is Jesus? Where he at? Can I, can I see him today? Well, we got to know the word. We got to know the true gospel. It's been pressed in my spirit so strongly lately to tell people, come out of these false gospels. Your soul is at stake. Deception has never been this crazy. I have I have never had conversation with people before who will literally tell me they believe in the gospel, will even speak about the Holy Spirit. But then when the scripture comes out and says, if you love me, keep my commands, they will say, well, that's not what Jesus really meant. And argue it, saying that I, I'm now talking about uh, works versus grace unto salvation. I didn't say that. I only said what Jesus Christ said. The thing is, when you have the Holy Spirit, the entire word of God, you agree upon. Not the convenient part, not the comfortable part. Everybody wants to hear about grace when they live any kind of way. When they walk however they want to walk. When they have not overcome the thing they claim to testify about or say they're redeemed from. We got to break free. Jesus Christ is coming back and he's looking for those who have no heart for this world. Do we want to see kids suffer? Evil, wicked ruling and politicians and wars and famines and, and, and just, you know, travesties in the people's life? No, we don't. But there is not a single thing on this earth, not one thing any part anybody can do to another that can be more devastating 
than everlasting content. Nothing. And according to the Bible, all we see happening was foretold to come. So how are we going to stop it? How can we say we believe in Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ told us what's going to happen, yet we're praying against it. We're voting against it. We're rallying and protesting against it. This is a world sentence to damnation. Our responsibility is go be witnesses unto Jesus Christ. So those who are out there struggling, trying to figure out the right way, is it Buddha? Is it Muhammad? Is it Hinduism? No, it's Jesus Christ, son of the living God. And let me show you what he did in my life. I've heard the testimony of the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, James, Luke. I've heard the testimony of Christ. Now, what's your testimony? That's how we draw people to the Messiah, to the Savior, to the true Christ. We can't go around and say, do you know Jesus? Because Jesus said there are going to be a bunch of Jesuses out there. But when I hear that, I ask people, what Jesus are you talking about? I'm a Christian. My eyebrow go up when I hear that. Uh, what Christ do you follow? People tell me, I want to pray for you. I say, well, hold on first before you pray for me, because I'm going to make sure you're praying to the right Christ. I got enough demons I fight without your prayers. That's how powerful the spiritual warfare is. And it saddens me when I think about how many people die growing up in these churches being lied to. So, yeah, I'm on fire for the truth. And sometimes I'm up at five o'clock in the morning responding to lies with the truth of the Christ and the unadulterated word of God. And I'm grateful that his grace, his mercy and the Holy Spirit enables me to do it. Because like I said, who loves Jesus Christ truly and want to see anybody go to hell? So let's get in the word of God in this season. We are, we are, we are in a warfare. We are in a fight. This is a constant battle. It don't, we don't, it's not no, uh, you know, temporary peace moment that happens or this time out or take a break. Even when we lay down in our bed, we are in spiritual warfare. We can't take these wicked TV shows and movies and music and interaction with people to our bed with us. These demons want to take us out anytime they get a chance. We need to be armored up in the absolute truth. Not in the comfortable truth, not in the convenient truth, but the absolute truth of who Christ is and what he's done for us. That is how we lead people to freedom from sin. There is no reason why we should be showing up to church 20 years depressed. This woman out here repeatedly talking about Paul and Silas served the most high God so much it annoyed him. He turned and said, come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. She was set free. How do you know that? They were upset because they're not going to make any money off her anymore because she was a fortune teller. 
God wants to use us in this season. The, the, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Too many Christians going out to, to, to midterm elections to vote. <laughs> oh, man. And it's so sad. Because when you really ask, the, when you really get to it, end of the day, the reason why they're voting, they're not standing against wickedness. They're not fighting to, to, to take the wrong president out of office or whatever the case may be, stop inflation. End of the day, they have a heart for this world and they don't want to see what Jesus Christ said is coming. They don't want to live with persecution and tyranny and all that. Is it hard? Absolutely. Look at the life of the apostles. In prison, more than once at, at, at times for just doing God's will. But the reward is not compared to what we endure in this earth. And either we believe that or we don't. Either we're going to serve him or we won't. But we got to make up in our mind. And stay committed. Stay, stay stuck in it. All in. This is not that this is not that walk that we've heard for years. That, you know, all you got to do is dip your foot in it and you're good. God wants us to take a jump into the pool and be submerged. That's that's baptism submerged into this faith. It fully immersed into it and stay in it. So when someone comes up to you and they say, you know, I. How you overcome that? How'd you beat that? Now we could tell them about Jesus. And when they repent and be born again, they too can enter the kingdom of heaven and do the miraculous through the name of Jesus Christ. But let's get in that word in this season. Let's stay in the faith. Let's know and vet what we hear. Let's not accept the old school tradition of the, the come and go, shout and clap, pay your tithe, roll out, and then kick it. No, this is an ongoing fight. Jesus had to fight every day when he walked the earth. He didn't just walk around and get to deal with it on Monday. Know this to be true. Jesus Christ is looking for bride, a church that wants to spend eternity with him. He's not looking for anybody who's not looking for him or glancing over, peeking out the eye, looking around the corner. He's looking for somebody that's staring right at him. And those are the ones he's going to say, come on in. Come on in and enjoy this everlasting celebration. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for giving us truth. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for allowing us to fight against the lies, the things that do not align with your word. We thank you for the empowerment of your spirit. We thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary. And we thank you that we have a testimony of the things that you redeemed us from, the empty way of life. We know that your word is true. We know that you have a wonderful place for us better than this earth. And we are not ashamed to tell people that you redeemed us. We're not ashamed to share our story of what we overcome. 
We pray thanking you that your spirit continually uses us to keep us encouraged, strengthened, and bolded to do your will. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.